0: Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. All right. Okay, so who is Rob Manfred? Meaning, childhood
1: education, jobs, okay. Well, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York. Um, Rome, New York, um, grew up in a very athletic focused family. You know, my dad was a college tennis player. I was a college tennis player. Um, my sister, I think won 18 varsity letters in high school. I mean, was probably the best athlete of the whole crowd. Um, you know, my brother was very athletic as well. Um, I started college at Le Moyne college in Syracuse. I went there for two years and then graduated from Cornell. I transferred and graduated from Cornell and um, then went on to Harvard law school um, right from college.
0: Um, How slash why did you pivot your career to working for the MLB? Were you always passionate about baseball?
1: Yeah. You know, um, I've always been a huge baseball fan. Um, You know, we were, we were lucky we grew up in a part of upstate New York that had cable television before most parts of the country because it was kind of a part of an initial experiment with cable. So um, we had Yankee games from the time I was could remember being old enough to watch TV. We watched a ton of Yankee baseball. Um, I think if you asked my two siblings, you know, the most memorable trip of our childhood was our parents bringing us down um, From upstate to um, go to two Yankee games, um, a Saturday and a Sunday. Um, But I didn't start out with a view that I wanted to work in sports. You know, I mean, I went to law school, I I joined a great firm in Washington. Um, I did all management side, labor relations work, and, you know, enjoyed it. I mean, I worked with You know, I worked in the airline industry with flight attendants, pilots, um, truck drivers, nurses, you know, you name it. I bargained with a lot of different kinds of employees and, um, you know, got going in baseball. I literally got assigned to it. Baseball came to the firm as a client, to a very senior lawyer. Um, I had worked with them previously and I was an associate and literally it was like any other assignment, you know, here you are, um, you're going to do this. So uh, that's how I got started. There was no plan to, to end up here.
0: Day to day. What are your major responsibilities as an MLB commissioner?
1: Well, you know, there's two parts to the job uh, that are really very different. Um, On the one hand, there's a huge governance aspect to the to the job. Um, you, you, you know, um, you have to enforce um, the rules that apply to the relationship between the 30 clubs. Um, it, it's political. Uh, you know, I mean, you have to get votes on things and the like. There's, you know, and obviously, the most important aspect of the governance piece is defending the integrity of the game. Um, the other half of the job, you're a CEO, like any other CEO, you got to run a business, you know, um, we, we take in centrally forget what the clubs do, you know, it's, ours is, you know, pre COVID um, was a two and a half billion dollar a year business. Um, and, you know, our, our, we have to show a bottom line, you know, a, a, again, um, even with COVID last year, we, we distributed to the 30 clubs. million each. So, you know, you have to, you got to generate revenue, cover your costs. And, you know, they expect those checks to come. So it's, um, you know, it's like running a business. Um, So that's two kind of different pieces to it.
0: What is a piece of advice you would give to a high school entrepreneur or a high school student?
1: Look, I think that um, students generally, but entrepreneurs as well, I, I think it's so important to have an area of expertise that you can, and this sounds maybe a little mercenary, but that you can trade on, right? Um, I mean, you need when when you go to an employer or you're an entrepreneur and you try to raise money, either one of those are a sell job. One, you're selling yourself. The second one you're selling your idea and in either one of those scenarios you have to convince people this guy knows something about x whatever it is you know or this woman knows something about x and and um, i think it's really important to find that area that's of interest to you and develop expertise um, that's demonstrable
0: if you could say one thing to a high school or college version of yourself what would that
1: be? You know, I would repeat some advice that my father gave me that has, I was a little further along, but, you know, just just out of school. Um, when you're young, and this was certainly true of me, you're always looking ahead. You know, you're, you're, you're looking, what's the next job? What's the next opportunity? Because that's what youth is about, right? Um, and you know, my dad said to me when I went to work, give you a piece of advice. If you focus on the job you have now, the next one will take care of itself. And that certainly turned out to be true for me.
0: It's a great piece of
1: advice, by the way.
0: What is the most satisfying moment in MLB and why? What is your most satisfying moment?
1: You know, I, well, let me say two things. I'm not sure I could give you one, um, I, I felt like the day I elected commissioner was a very satisfying moment for me because I felt like, um, you know, I'd worked inside and outside for them for, you know, 30 something years. I felt like it was um, kind of an endorsement or a validation of the work that I had done for the business. Um, in some ways, I was an odd pick if because of the the part of the business that I came up um, you know I came up on the labor side it's an area that you know it's a rough area you, you know a lot of attention paid to it not a lot of glory in labor relations to tell you the truth it's not like you're delivering some big deal that's going to make them a lot of money um, so I, I, that that was a great day and then you know, in the more kind of fun category, the very first world series trophy that I got to present, I I I got to present to David Glass, who at the time, um, owned the Kansas city Royals and David, um, was a legendary Walmart executive. He was kind of the guy that grew the business. Um, he was a great friend and mentor to me over time. And, you know, he was late. He's Older. he's now passed away. He was old, much older than I am. And um, it was late in his career. And it was just a great thing. The combination of, you know, my first one, and it's a great moment every time you do it. But my first one and giving it to somebody that I admired that much, it was a really nice moment.
0: That's awesome. What would you say are the top three skills needed to be a successful leader?
1: You know, that's kind of gets to the theory of leadership. I, I think that you have to have a vision of, of, of about your business. Number one, number two, you have to communicate in a way that creates consensus around that vision. And you know, I think people, I think people accept that, that the communication piece of it—that it's very important to be able, not only to know where you want the business to go, but to communicate it to people and. I I think the third one is an odd one that people don't think about. It it's is empathy, and and what I mean by that is this: people don't buy and support a vision just on an intellectual basis, right? They buy and truly support that vision if you make them understand that it's in their interest to do it. That you have you, you you're thinking about their interests as well as the business and your own. And um, I think that appreciation for what you need to deliver to your employees is a really important skill.
0: When, what do you look for when you are hiring for a position or trying
1: to fill a role? Oh, that's interesting. Um, That goes back to something that, that I said before, Um, you know, you have interviews that you do with people. Say, so, you know, what do you want to do? I, I, I want to work in sports. Well, you don't really mean that. Right. I mean, you know, we have a, one of my favorite baseball employees is a nice young man who delivers the mail. I, I, most people don't want that job. They, you know um, so I think that, it, you know, I look for somebody who has developed some expertise um, in a particular area and it's thought about how that expertise moves our business forward. Um, number one, number two, I, I am, you know, direct. Um, and by that, I mean, non electronic communication skills are really, really important to me. And, they, and I would say in the last 10 years, they have become even more important to me because so many people Communicate just fine if they can do it with their little friends, but face-to-face, not quite as effective.
0: Um, In your eyes, what makes a good CEO?
1: At the end of the day, it's all about leadership. Uh, You know, it really is about you can only do so much personally to produce the result that you want For the organization, you can only be successful if you lead in a way that motivates others in the organization to do their jobs, not only well, but consistent with the vision you have for the organization.
0: Did you experience any failures within the business? If so, what did you learn from the mistakes and how did you make them? Better?
1: <laughs> failure in this business is a daily occurrence. Um, it, yeah. You know, look, I mean, I, there's things that, I mean, I, look, I'll give you one um, that's recent. Um, I, with the players association last spring was public and a failure. Um, and believe me, um, of all of the things that I've spent time on this year, um, I, I've spent more time thinking about why that was a failure and how you can make sure that it's not a, 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 a failure um, that's repeated in, in the future. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, one aspect of it uh, is kind of ironic. You know, I did four labor deals for baseball where I was the chief spokesman and um, we never had a public fight. The, the, we, the, the negotiations were private. And I think we made a huge mistake um, last spring. We let it get public. It made the negotiation harder um, and it certainly was not good for the sport.
0: I saw that you, that the MLB recently started evaluating the Negro league's past performance. How did that come about um, in where did, you know, It it's really interesting,
1: a member of my staff, well, th- there's a longer story here, um, one of the things I had an opportunity to do back in 2015 was visit the Niroly Museum in Kansas City, a museum that's really worth, forget whether you're a baseball fan, it's just in terms of understanding an era in American history, it's a great museum. I mean, it's just a really wonderful museum. So I visited the museum and I, I became um, interested and more educated, um, about the Negro leagues. I mean, when you go through and you realize, you know, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, all these great players played in the Negro leagues. Um, and, and, you know, some that are not quite household names because of when they played as opposed to, you know, Aaron and Mays, who obviously had an opportunity to play in the big league subsequently. Um, and then it came to my attention, then in I think it was 1969, the the there was a report done about how to treat the statistics of various leagues that predated the American and National League as we know them, and you know, I had a reason to read the report and I read it and you know one of the things that struck me was you know they talk about all these leagues, but Nobody said a word about the Negro League. So we started, you know, um, examining exactly how that process had gone forward, made sure we understood it, understood what the criteria were. We thought about those criteria in relation to the Negro Leagues and um, reached the conclusion that this was something that needed to be done.
0: And honestly, I'm so glad it has and uh, has been done, and it's an amazing thing that I just did in Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.